Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. What about, can you do that uh, crazy laugh again? The Halloween laugh? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did that work? Yeah, I turned up the reverb. Reverb. Amazing. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Cue Thriller. Cue Thriller. I know, if only. We can't, though. Right? We can't. In your in the privacy of your own home, please cue, th- uh, please cue, cue the song that you have paid for and have uh, rightfully owned uh, through the permission of the audience or the, excuse me, the record company. And the dance that you learned for free. For free. From the creepy video. Right. Anyways. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know. I'm Father Nathan. I'm Father Mike. And uh, we are back. Um, we, this might be the most uh, podcasts I have recorded in uh, a stretch of time. Uh, Father John asked me if I wanted to record last Saturday, so I recorded with him last Saturday, and the mic texted on Sunday and said, you want to record on Monday, and then I got a text today from Olo saying that he's coming through town. And um, He's a popular man. Yeah. And he said, can well, we Well, Olo didn't talk to me. What does that mean? <laughs> he just needed a place to stay. <laughs> okay. You, well, no, I mean, you have space in your house. True. I mean, I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. He's, um, I, I miss the guy. It is I'm a, sure that I'll see him. It's a surprise, though. So we can't tell his parents. Oh, for his people. Right. Okay. Well, it's a surprise for his parents. I don't, I don't, he's not seeing anybody at the church. Um, but he's coming through town. I don't know why. Um, okay. And uh, so he's just asked if he could stay with me. But uh, that means that I would record Saturday, Monday, Tuesday. And you did a double header, didn't you? Did a double header. So. I saw that in the hopper. I'm looking forward to That's you good. hearing it, man. Yeah, well. There's some spice that you guys are bringing. <laughs> I'm kind of jealous, actually. Like I like to sit in on some of these conversations. Not that I have a strong opinion about things. or um, I don't know. I, yeah. haven't, I haven't listened to them. I listened to the one of, um, that was about the church insiders. Oh, okay. But I haven't listened to this last one. Sure. I mean, it hasn't been pu- published Yeah, yet. exactly. I, Father, get it, I get it on the same timeline as everybody else. Father John and I just recorded it on Saturday, so it was it was good. Um, you know, got a little a little heated. Nice. So that's that's important. We actually really enjoy doing this podcast, and we're not we're not angry at any specific person. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I would say, like, spiritual warfare gets uh, more and more intense the the more uh, this election season ramps up, I feel like. People are a little more on edge. People are a little Absolutely. more emotional. I would say and, that's just generally true about life and politics. Yeah, but I would say that there are spirits attached to it, you know? Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. There are, there are kind of evil spirits uh, attached to just the, the whole fear around like who's our next president going to be is our culture heading in the right direction you know i had a mom weeping on uh on the church property yesterday because she's eight months pregnant and she says anytime we start these conversations about partial birth abortion like i i get really sad because i think about the child in my womb yeah and like the fact that like somebody could do that it just makes me really sad. And she's like, I want to go out. Understandably. I want to go out and help people, but I'm also like, uh, I'm also conflicted because uh, I feel like anytime I start talking about it, I get super emotional and shut down. Yeah. 
Well, I like to tell people that if you find yourself spiraling into discouragement, fear, wrath, these are not from God. Right. Try to stay out of that hole and trust that God has things in control. Because we go down those those paths trying to control things. Like, my worry is going to change things. Nope, not true. Do what you can. Right. Trust God. So, anyway, those are your, those were past. They're uh, already done. Yeah, exactly. Conversations or whatever. This, uh, this podcast is coming Topics. out the week after the election. So, uh, I'm grateful that we've already uh, come through that. So, uh, we'll try to put on a happy face in this one um i want to follow up on a topic we talked about last time in terms of my uh innovation in regards to sandwich ordering okay so uh interested the last two times i have gone to the uh both a subway and a witch witch both a subway and a witch witch and I tried my ploy. If you weren't listening last time to the podcast, me and Mike did. It means you just say, hey, make me a good sandwich. I say, make me your favorite sandwich. Okay. Uh, the last two times I've attempted that, <clears throat> both persons have said, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Oh. They refused. <laughs> and I, I said, no, honestly, like you can make whatever sandwich you want. It's just, I don't. They, did they think you were being a smart aleck? I don't, maybe. Or but they like, just don't. Well, the I think people are afraid to fail. I mean, they're they're afraid to disappoint you. Yes. I mean, you're paying for it, right? Mm-hmm. And you're trusting them. And that's I think that's the millennial paralysis. Ah. Millennial paralysis. Is they're afraid to make a decision that for fear that, of being for fear judged. for fear of it being the wrong decision. Oh. So they don't make any decision, and they just say, ah, "I'm not going to do that." Millennial paralysis. He calls millennial it. paralysis. So the girl actually said to me. Um, quote, uh, I don't even eat here. I was like, I was like, this is really, this is really depressing. Is she, she not into gluten free or something? She's not into, uh, she's not into what, what am I looking at? Oh, I just, I figured out the timer. Oh yeah. John, not, I'm not saying like, I'm not saying father John was really happy for that. He's like, you guys are, you guys are ahead of the game over here. You know, anywho. So she said, I don't even work here. I don't even I don't even, I don't even eat here. <laughs> I don't even work. I don't even, I don't <laughs> like, even who did you ask a sandwich from? <laughs> I walked up, yeah. Just the guy at the gas station. Why oh, was she wearing a mask? So anyway, so she said she said don't do it. She wouldn't do it because uh she doesn't even eat here. So I went I Well, just, that's honest. I appreciate that. That's honest. I was she a little can't just whip together a sandwich she doesn't know anything about. She works I mean, whatever. If she was vegan or something like that, I'd understand it, but like, you know, Try to be an artist. Like, yeah. All right. All right. I feel it. Second girl, which, which, um, I said, same thing. And she goes, uh, we have bags where you just write whatever you want. And yeah. I said, yeah, I know that. Um, but, uh, I, instead of like just doing what everybody else does, like, I think, you know, the sandwich is better. Can you make me one? And she's like, yeah, you build your own. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, but <laughs> could you, could you just make it like whatever? And she's like, no, I won't. I'm not going to do that. And so then she took my, I, I ended up making it and it was, it was bad. It was a bad sandwich because I didn't know the properties of the ingredients. The coleslaw was a lot more liquidy than I anticipated. Well, you don't put coleslaw on a sandwich. Yes, you do. Like, no. It's called a Reuben. Uh, no, thanks. Oh, man. 
Whatever. I like coleslaw, but don't put it in my sandwich. That's strange. Well, anyway, it was, okay, it was, it was, it was ranch slaw. I got the turkey. It was witch. runny. It was runny. Yeah, and I I just made I had too much sauce on there. Too many sauces. I should have been like, how you know? But I didn't know the proportions. Whatever. So, anyways, so then she leaves. I go to the bathroom. I go to the bathroom and I see the guy uh, who was on break. You know, one of these tatted up, you know, sandwich artists. And I say to the guy, did you overhear that conversation? And he said, yeah. And I said, uh, so what would you what would you recommend? Like, what's your, you know, jam? And he goes, he goes, yeah, like uh, you could get like different sandwiches at uh, what did he say? You could get different sandwiches at Jimmy John's. And I was like. Well, no, like here. Oh, because he's, he's, he's presuming you don't like the sandwiches. You I don't can't. like anything on the list, <laughs> so you need to you need her to innovate. Yeah, it was so random. You can get like, a like, different sandwich at Jimmy John's. Yeah, I was like, never mind, man. <laughs> so just so you know, like sometimes I, I think millennial I've- Millennial paralysis. Yeah, sometimes you think I've cracked the code. I haven't, you know, it's, I haven't figured I wonder how many other people have tried this now. I don't, I have to confess, I got a- steak and cheese sub and ran it through the garden as Sebastian Maniscalco says. Yeah. Um, and I didn't ask them. I forgot to ask them, Hey, when, you know, what are you recommending? So anyway, I didn't do it. I didn't follow through. I don't know how many other people did, but I hope, I hope they didn't run into your millennial paralysis. That's funny because, um, on the day when she said, I don't even eat here. And I was at subway. I was like, forget it. I'm just getting the steak and cheese. That's what I always get. Steak it's and a cheese. Good sandwich. It's a good sandwich as long as the meat's hot. Chipotle mayo. Chipotle mayo. Southwest sauce. Yep. Yep. Um, salt and pepper. Uh huh. Green peppers. Cucumbers. No, the whole, all the veggies. All right. All right. Well, yeah, okay. that's sandwich news. All right. That sandwich news. Um, am I going first? Or are you going first? Uh, I I don't I don't care either way. Are you long or short or does it matter? Doesn't matter. All right. All right. I'll go first. You go first. Oh, then. he's he's sliding the book his way. Okay. All right. Come on. I'll go first, huh? All right. So I'm excited for this. Let's see. Uh, I don't. The thing is that when I when I brainstorm about these things, a lot of times I got too many points, and I think they're connected, and then they I have a hard time. Connecting. Too many sauces. All right. Too many sauces. You got too many sauces. That's true. And it looks like coleslaw. I mean, it's there's a lot going on. Coleslaw has its own sauce. All right. Well, I'm going to try to fit this together into a palatable sandwich here. Go ahead. All right. So I'm praying the other day, and I'm driving up to the mountains, and um, it's a nice time for me to pray. I like just chilling out. I listen to some trip hop. I'm on my way, just grooving, coming down from like the busyness of the city, and heading up into the chill of the mountains. And then I eventually turn off the music. I got stuck in traffic and I was just kind of praying and everything. And one of the things I started doing was like reminiscing on my youth. And I, I don't know exactly why, but I was I was also just like kind of uh, coming up with songs. I was trying to write some songs. Mm. And for some reason, the thought of writing songs about big moments in my youth uh, came up. Yeah. So, um so then I start reflecting on my youth and I was like, started to feel sorry for myself with some memories of my uh, younger days and um, noticed that it was like, um, 
Well, a couple of things. One was like I'm working back and I'm working into high school and I was thinking of like these highs and lows and stuff. And I remember um, in particular, this was kind of drawing my attention was that I had been angry, lonely, and afraid of failure um, pretty intensely at times. Okay. There was a lot of like joyful experiences, but I was like, wow, mm. I don't, this is interesting that this mm-hmm. is kind of coming in. And I'm so I'm digging in and I'm like, wow, man, where does that come from and everything? And I like psychology and I tend to think in terms of like causation. If you find something that's like painful, there's a cause. If you find something that's good, there's a cause, you know, and it usually has to do with something in the past and affecting you. right? So I'm digging back in and I realize, um, I remember that when I was a kid, I had night terrors. You know what night terrors are? Yeah. It's freaky, man. Where you wake up kind of like out of breath and well, like it's, getting chased by something. Or. Yeah, it's deep sleep nightmares. So it's different than the the regular nightmares that most have. Hmm, really? Where if you wake up, you realize very quickly that that was a dream and you're relieved. And you feel safe and you feel like happy that to be done with that. Right. You know, and you might wake up sweating or you might wake up, you know, kind of freaked out, but you quickly realize that that's not, mm-hmm. well, with the night terrors, because it's in deep sleep, not in REM, you uh, have the real experience that you are living in this nightmare and you can't, um, you can't be woken up or shook from this in the same way. So I, this is, I don't want to be scary to the kids or whatever, but uh, my parents tell me I w- they would find me um, screaming at the mirror at times and just totally panicky. And it was just like really scary for them, but also really scary for me. Sure. Like it's, it's, it feels real. And when you, when you come to, you don't know that it's not real. It still feels like that. Like your body, your chemistry goes through that experience as if it's really happening. And it's just terrifying situations. I don't know, like out of control and fearful and things are threatening and coming really fast and you feel like you're going to get hurt or something. You're running. So all of those panicky feelings or whatever. And it actually has this the effect of the kind of PTSD thing on uh, a lot of people. So... Uh, because it is felt as trauma, right? And um, so you come to, but you you are um, still kind of crippled in a way, you know, by that experience and at a very, very young age, hmm. right? And then um, I had a couple of other kind of odd, um, sickly experiences as a kid where I had my migraines really bad for a while. And... Um, and it was just frustrating between these things. Looking back, I was like sitting in my car and I'm thinking like, what is the deal, man? I was born runt, you know, and I was born like behind, uh, behind the curve. Mm-hmm. And I was so, so I was trying to connect this with my high school experience, like my times when I felt lonely or angry, like I was punk. You knew that? Yeah. I was punk. That's Shocker. just basically angry. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of kids are, but um, it, you just sort of connect that with the system. Was that like your kind of ethos? That's what you kind of dressed as? That's what you acted as? I mean, I went to a Jesuit school. You couldn't dress right, but like, you could too be, edgy. But you could be punk in your 
demeanor. No, it was like an attitude I had toward um, society and the world mm-hmm. and um, kind of uh, wanting to pull down facades of like everything's fake and um, and uh, everything's run by the system. For me, that was like secularism and the, and the kind of common culture. Everybody's just drone. There's just zombies doing what everybody, lemmings, what everybody else is telling them to do. Sure. You know, and not terribly happy, whatever. And I was like, no, I'm going to get a fight against that. Right. So, um, but I was. Can I, I ask I, what kind of music you were listening to at this time? That was. There's a lot of Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine. Shocker. That was uh, bad, re- bad Religion. Uh, and I didn't really get into corn a whole lot, but um, some just some other punk stuff. Yeah. MXPX was a lot softer. MXPX, yep, yep, yep. But um, there was, yeah, Social D. Um, there was Flogging Molly. These kind of punk oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. You know? Sure. Uh, Dropkick Murphys. So um, anyway. That would, all, that would all feed that. It would. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's also like cathartic for a young person. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I want to be real. And these people are, these poets are really expressing something. But, okay, so I saw this and I was I was taken with these things. Okay, so those sort of means of connecting with those feelings um, could have been all, uh, like, all engrossing. So I realized I've, I've, Coming into the situ- into into life like a, a uh, what do you call it runt, you know my cornbread dog was the runt of the pack, and you're always kind of catching up and and behind and um, and so you can out of fear and out of that kind of insecurity, um, fear and insecurity are very similar, very uh, parallel. Um, you can end up making a lot of bad decisions. Right. And, uh, and, and you see people do that. And I was wondering, like, um, do you remember the, the hell meditation from, uh, Ignatius? Do you remember how it works? No. You, so you imagine you, you look at yourself and you've done examinations of conscience. Mm -hmm. And then you say, where did these sins that I have and weaknesses, character flaws, all this stuff, where does it end up? If it weren't for Jesus, where would I be? What is my personal hell? Sure. And it sounds really intense, but it's really enlightening too. And I've had some very powerful experiences of this meditation where I see if I would have just gone, like followed those problems um, and given myself into those problems. To the end. I would have been in hell, you know? I'd have been living and walking in hell. Mm-hmm. You know, I, in, in loneliness... I look at, um, I can uh, say that I was very independent. I was, I'd run off and just be on my own and go on my own adventures. And um, there's something about me that tends toward that way. And I think it's a combination of like personality and then a reaction to that kind of loneliness. It's like, well, if I'm going to be lonely, at least I could be alone. Yeah. I think I'd rather be alone. That's the remedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, like the anger, you know, that doesn't end well. You react towards society. You uh, get more and more bitter. You get more and more cold and end up in hell. Or you, you know? just keep feeding it. And you keep never love, right? Because you just get frustrated with people and criti- critical sure. and cynical and everything. Um, and then that fear of failure 
is uh, you can just get smaller and smaller. Um, what do you call it? Puce, pusillanimity. Yeah, you just get, don't care, and you end up sitting on your couch and playing video games, and just I'm, I don't, I'm not gonna go anywhere. So yeah. I don't. The adventure's done. Try. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no point. And those were like real hells for me, and real potential for my life, and um, and then I had this big grace of just like Jesus saved me from that. And he kind of fooled me into it. Um, that I think at a certain point when someone asked me recently, um, tell me your vocation story. And I said, honestly, it was like the first reaction. Instead of going into my regular shtick, I said, I was just a, I was just a kid who loved Jesus. And that basically explains everything. That he came along and I, I, cared so much he 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 revealed himself to me in a way that i just fell for this story this savior this uh, king and i wanted to follow him and Mm. i thought this is real this is really an answer and this is really um someone i love and um and then saying yes to that ended up being a kind of salvation from all these problems like i could have i could have been in that hell and i'm not and I'm not, and I haven't been. Like, uh, this is really who I am, and yet I've lived a whole different way. And I think it's by grace and a miracle. Um, I've succeeded in a lot of things, and yet I have that tendency to just fear failure and be pr- paralyzed by that fear. Mm-hmm. I have a community, and I have people who love me and I love, and um, and yet I have that kind of drive to flee you know be on my own right or whatever and um and then the anger is i still have a lot of like frustrations and criticism and it was like a sharp critique with which i view the world but it doesn't rule my life it's like i love people and i've been able to empathize and i've been able to be merciful and say um i don't have to understand everything i don't have to critique everything i don't have to agree with people before i love them you know? So there's some, there's this final line, and then we could talk about this because I'm <laughs> just talking, um, from the scripture that it kind of comes back to and really moves me. And This is all while you were driving on the interstate? This is why I'm driving okay. on the interstate, yeah. Was it right around Georgetown? Thinking on fear. Yeah, I got stuck at Idaho yeah. Springs in yeah. Georgetown. You, it's bad. Did you get you? stuck there? Yeah, exactly. All right, so the line is... Here we go. Um, okay, so I got two lines for you. This is a Greek quiz for Father Nathan. I'm a Greek teacher. Okay, first one. Uh, what does this say? En oida. Gen oida. Oh, hen oida. Hoti uden oida. Okay, you know? Can you? Do you know how to start? Whoever has ears ought to hear. Ah, uh, no. It looks like that, but Oida is I know. Oida. Do you remember Haste Me a Hen? No, okay, the people there was. Are like, the people are like, oh. Okay, this says, and maybe we'll get, to, we'll try you on the next one. One thing, it's neuter for uh, one, the number one. One thing. One thing I know. That. Udin Oida. One thing I know, that which I know. That I know nothing. Oh. Whose line is that? Famous line. 
Oh, you don't know that either? Oh, shoot. Is that the... I, uh, thought, I thought this would be easier. I'm not trying to embarrass No. One thing that I know is that I know nothing. The only thing I know is that I know nothing. It's a famous line from Socrates. Oh. Yeah. It's the it's the line about self-knowledge. Okay. From the Delphic Oracle. Yes. Socrates says, in all humility, one thing I know is that I know nothing. It was the anthem of humility in the ancient world. Okay. That's good. Okay. Here's a line from scripture that uh, comes from John 9, 25. It's a man born blind. When he well, is he is asked about I knew the two flows. Do you know this guy? Yep. He says, I don't know whether or not Jesus is a sinner, but But uh Ken that Oida. which I know that I was blind and I see uh Yeah. What's the what's the Artie is uh Artie. now. So right. this one now is I see. own own okay. That's um being is present so he says uh there's only one thing i know uh it's it's a quote it's an adjusted quote from socrates mm-hmm. and it's kind of ironic that this guy is using it but it's a statement about what humility is in the gospel two flows he says one thing i know that i am a blind man i am i am a blind man but i'm seeing right now wow uh, so this is own this is present participle one thing I know is that even though I am a blind man, he doesn't say because though I was a blind man and now I see. He says, I am a blind man. I am a blind man. But I can see. You know? So the reason I love this one so much and it came back to me in this prayer is I don't think. Bleppo. Um, it's not like once upon a time I was this kind of fallen, uh, scared person who was um, afflicted by the fall, you know, and, uh, it's that I am still the runt and it's okay. Um, that I've been saved from the, the inevitable trajectory of sin. Um, that terrible end, which was kind of, uh, the setup of life, you know, and, um, and the, the struggles, you know, there are, um, yeah, there are people who just have deficiencies that end up um, crippling your life, mm-hmm. right? And uh, my life could have, and I think in some way should have, uh, been different in uh, in a very terrible way. Why should have? Should have meaning um, not like uh, if it, not it would have gr- been better. Gratuitous but, gift. Um, this makes more sense. Right. Apart from Jesus. Yeah. This is the direction that my condition leaves leads me. Right. Yes. It's like a blind man bumping into things. Mm-hmm. Right. Or falling off of something. And I would just say, like, I mean, but for the gratuitous gift of Jesus, like all of these are are naturally uh, consequential upon each other. They flow from. They they follow upon each other. That you would have difficulty. If that was that was how your situation remained, but it's not. Yeah. So, um, what I think is really interesting about what you're saying um, is that some of those same feelings uh, kind of crept in on the middle of my retreat, um, and I'll I'll have to go get my journal from my retreat and see because there were three three things that that I said. At the end of an hour, 
And it was almost like the same spirit, which is interesting because we started with spiritual warfare, but like that feeling of I am alone, I am afraid, uh, I am a failure. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm prone, I'm prone to, to yeah. fail or whatever. Um, I think those are like deeply human emotions because uh, of the of the separation from from God. Yeah, that we're actually not like we're not just made for success. I don't I don't know if the opposite of failure is success. I think the opposite of failure is I can find the good. The good meaning like I I know that the situation that I'm in is is actually achieving the the path that leads directly to happiness like eutropalia like joy yeah, yeah. in being um we're made for communion and we're made for joy as opposed to fear you know like uh yeah. and i think with the failure thing it's also like just dignity like you mm. don't you're not mm-hmm. hard on yourself you know it's not like you just don't judge yourself in the same categories. Failure, success, it doesn't yep. really matter a whole lot yeah. except you, the satisfaction of I am good. Not I'm good if, right? Um, but just that piece of dignity and yep. self-respect, you know. Well, and also, I mean, like uh, it's one of the first. It's one of the first set of emotions. I think. I think there's a reason why psychologists. Um, why psychologists return often to the the primordial uh, state in the garden uh, that after the fall of Adam and Eve, like it says very quickly after that, they were they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and you know made loincloths. But then it's when asked the reason why. They did what they did. It's like, I was naked and afraid, so I hid myself. Mm-hmm. So um, Leon Cass, uh, who we read in uh, Theological Anthropology, has a great um, section in his his book. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. It's upstairs. Um, but uh, he talks about how uh, shame, shame enters the into the garden. And... Uh, when when shame is present, then we are judging ourselves based on a perspective that's not actually there. Hmm. Like there was no other person for them to actually compare themselves to. So why did? How could they have felt? They yeah, they lacked perspective. Unworthy. They see it. Yeah. So that's interesting. For shame, yeah, and I think all of these things. Part of my reflection is, and the reason I wanted to share it was that I think, like I hear a lot of confessions, right? And people tend to think of evil and what we need to be saved from as um, sins in terms of things I do that are bad. And um, it's true that we have to be saved from um, like self-destructive behaviors, sure, right? Uh, Sins. And then there's also like a need for salvation from the deeper causes that we act out of and do those bad behaviors, right? And I think some of those are the, the, the next level 
is that level of shame and that level of fear and that level of anger and that level of um, kind of lost perspective and sadness, you know, loneliness. Uh, We do a lot of stupid things just kind of going into autopilot on one of those, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Because I think there's a tractor, I, I think there's a tractor pull, like a tractor beam, not a tractor pull. That's like from the carnival. Um, there's like a tractor beam that's actually drawing us towards that, like a bug to a, to a, an electric lamp, you know, that like we move towards it, but it's actually, we're not free. We think we're free, but when we kind of check out and stop kind of the resistance from the pull of sin, we're actually drawn to those sensitivities towards um loneliness sadness uh fearfulness uh comparativeness so yeah and i think part of my thing is like i i can live a frustrated spiritual life saying god why have you not fixed this right um i see this sort of um character flaw or weakness in mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. my own life, and I just want to I just want to fix that. I don't want to feel lonely, or I don't want to feel sure. angry. Um, I don't want to feel afraid, and um, I don't think that holiness necessarily means that fixed. You know, and I'm this is part of my heat my healing mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. You know, it. I do think God in heaven we won't be those things, right? But uh, there's something about the guy who's still on the way and in all humility can say, I am a blind man. I'm st- I will always be a blind man. And, uh, and then I can see, you know, um, that in some way we are, it's okay that we have the weaknesses that we have and, uh, and that God can do great things through those things. You know, this man, who sinned that this man is this way? It's for the glory of God. It's not about the sin. It's for the glory of God. And God can work amazing things through those. I mean, I if I would have gone my way in high, in high school, if I would have followed that path, I was attracted to uh, young women who were very bad for me <laughs> mm. because I was trying to prove something or I was selfish. But it was so such a narrow perspective. I think I would have ended up ruining somebody's life and my own, you know, just following that selfish path. Mm-hmm. Right, trying to fill that that hole. I think um, in ways there could have really been, uh, out of fear, a lot of escape into substances, into partying. I was already kind of going down that that way, and probably more so than my friends. I could see that I was more intense and extreme. And I think a lot of these things are are that end. So it's not just like in my imagination, but I could really see the writing on the wall, and I think. Jesus used the moment of this weird decisive thing about going into seminary at 18 where I just felt like I had to do it. I was compelled to do it because I love Jesus and he wanted me to do it. And uh, sometimes when I, when I look and feel sorry for myself, like, oh, I, st- I struggle with these things, I have lost perspective about, you know, that what Jesus has done for me and uh, the amazing path amazing life that i've had in spite of the like that movement toward death 
So I'm just repeating myself, but I'm um, just really um, impressed. It was almost like these readings recently about Cyrus, you know, yeah. uh, this weekend where the people are feeling sorry for themselves because they've gone into exile, people Israel, and uh, their worst fear is that they will have some other sovereign who is um, reigning over them, you know, like like Pharaoh over them um, in the past. Mm-hmm. Their freedom was what they were celebrating, and now they've gone into a foreign land. And um, Isaiah says, okay, this happened um, to save you because you were going to run yourself into the ground. If you were on your own and you were free, you were headed to destruction. You're going to destroy yourself. And um, God lets you be exiled and let you be ruled over this foreign king in order to be purified and sent back. It's almost like he saved them on another ark, but in a, in a way that they never expected Yeah, for some foreign power to be over them mm-hmm. and then to send them back um, enriched and ready to go um, kind of be faithful to God. Right. So it's just the surprise, surprising Yahweh. And I would say that, that as you mature in the spiritual life, um, and even I think in the human life, uh, there are certain things that you're like, why did God allow that? Why did God make me go through that? I think that's the that's the initial uh, question that you know just gets a ri- raised in the heart of of certain persons, physical suffering, family suffering, uh, you know, trauma, whatever. It's like, why did God allow that? And then later, I think there is a realization that without that experience, I wouldn't have these particular gifts. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have also have had that particular calling. So, uh, it's, yeah, and that's it's not tough. to say that God does these things to us. No, right? I think that's very an important distinction. It's just like, right? You don't. God doesn't make you sick, or God doesn't make your right parents divorce or God doesn't make your, you know, like life lonely or something like that. Mm-hmm. God can do creative things with a bad situation. Right. Right. And it, to say he allows, I think is um, true, but also can be misinterpreted by people to say like he's doing these bad things. Sure. But I would say at some point you start thanking God even for your crosses you thank God even for the difficulty. Yeah, um, when you when you grow in wisdom, yeah. Right, because it was actually then that I was more dependent upon the Lord than I was even in my even in my joys. And I would say like that's that takes a long time to mature in that. And it's not just a mind game that you have to come to. It's like a natural progression, a natural opening of the heart where at some point you just acknowledge, wow, God, you, you're with me even in that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, that's my, that's my topic. That's my prayer. I-70. Oh, yeah. The Adoration Chapel. It can be, you know. Adore the Lord in his holy court. I do. And if you can't get there. I do love savoring the grace of being drawn into contemplative prayer in those moments. Because I don't, I'm not good at that. It's not like I... You know, it's not like I do that regular. I usually just listen to dumb music, and uh, I have been doing book on tape, but it's almost like 
stay distracted. Yeah. Keep filling. You know, when cons- traffic is moving slow enough. Because if it, if it was what I, where I think you were, like it was going at a crawl. Oh, I was almost stopped. Yeah. So to me, I, think it's, I was stopped for like, a lot of the time. There's a part of me at that, in those situations of like, am I just allowed to just pull over and just like, I'll just catch up to you guys in two hours. Like, yeah, but on the shoulder, you had all these motorcyclists just zooming. I know. Which made me jealous. But I also was, like, concerned. Like, that, that looks dangerous. Yeah. One car wants to just swing over to the shoulder. Yeah. Anywho, but I appreciate you sharing it. I think it's good encouragement for, for all. So. The um, one time I got st- stuck in a uh, traffic jam coming down from I-70, mm-hmm. and it was in a snowstorm, and we are all stopped on the hill. Mm-hmm. Just like just above Cabrini Shrine on 70 coming back into yeah. Denver. It was when I was working at Evergreen. And um, everybody stops on the hill. It's snowing, snowing, snowing real hard. And that's why there was an accident up ahead. But we sat there for about a half an hour and then people got sick of it. And everybody started getting out of their cars and had this giant snowball fight. Nice. Everybody was in on it, you know. That's great. It was so fun. It's like a great memory. It's like one of those silver lining things, you know. Yeah. I like that. It was fun. Well, um, do you want to do some shout outs? I have to think about them. You got to think about them? Well, yeah. Uh, Danny and Margot Johnson, whose wedding I did, um, they've just gone off to Virginia and um, where he's studying at William and Mary College. And um, they, I just connected with them and thought they're a really great couple and uh, their whole family is great. And uh, so I wanted to shout out that crew and um, I don't know who else. What do you got? I'm thinking. Well, uh, today, so this is the, this is the problem. I am a, uh, I'm a hoarder of projects, things that I'm like, oh, I'll get to that later. Hey, wait, compliment though. What? Compliment. I saw your garage. It looks amazing. Yeah, that was that was I've my maintenance. I've never ever ever seen it like that. That was my maintenance. It's guys. all tidy. Yeah, maintenance. Yep, Alex Welton, um, Phil, uh, Randy, they crushed it. Awesome. It was awesome. Yep, they're doing great. No, uh, I am getting through uh, some old letters. Uh, so, um, like, I have stacks of Catholic stuff mail that I'm just like slowly working through. So this one's from I think August 2019. That's yep, what the postmark. That's slowly working whatever. So um, my name is, I've been writing to wanting to write you this letter for about a year. My name is Margaret Kinney. I live in Colorado Springs. My husband Kevin introduced me to your podcast. We listen ever since. The first episode I listened to was Intercessory Prayer. Any relation to Haley? I don't know. Go on. I actually was not a fan of the banter at first, but I was learning so much from your podcast that I came to enjoy it. Um, so, uh, she goes on, she's writing about uh, each person's gifting. Very nice. Um, so, uh, I wanted to let you know, I really appreciate your podcast and learn a lot from you guys. I'm glad you did this as we need priests like you to be able to connect with our younger people to keep them in the church or to help them get back in the church. Um, I'm glad that you receive many gifts from your listeners. And since you do receive so much from your listeners, I'm not sending you gifts but I'm inspired to send gifts to our priests who are in more remote areas. She writes about how uh, her daughter was at the dental school in Rangeley. 
If you happen to know where I can find information about the location of priests in more remote areas or know of specific places I could send things, I would greatly appreciate that. Sincerely, Margaret Kinney uh, from Colorado Springs. Fathers Gerardo Puga and Shannon Thurman are out there in Rangeley. Yeah, yeah. Trying to figure those out. You can send to uh, St. Michael's in uh, Craig, uh, Colorado. That's the Tri County Parishes. You can send to Father Felician Mbala in Ray. Uh, you can send to Father yeah, Peter right. Voida, W-O-J-D-A, um, in um, he, him and Father Crispin, Crispin? Um, are in um, Grand County, Kremlin, Grand Lake, Oh yeah, uh-huh. Granby. Um, and then, oh my gosh, any priests uh, in Pueblo Diocese, they're pretty isolated. I think in your diocese, Leadville's pretty pretty isolated yeah. we gotta pray for all the people who are dealing with uh fires right now the fire the wildfires oh, no, in colorado yeah. are, are going crazy so anywho that was just one of the letters that i found and i was like i'm gonna I'm that's really one. nice well thank you thanks margaret um figured we ease back into it last the leak before it was a little spicy so <laughs> um folks we'll be back next week um thank you father mike thank you father nathan Thanks for hearing me out. I feel like I talked a lot and you had to listen a lot. Oh, that's fine. I got a prayer request too. Really? Yeah, there's violence. Yeah, <laughs> taking it down to sad again. Uh, there's violence in uh, Armenia and Azerbaijan. Mm. Um, like an all kind of old feud, but it started up again and it looks really dangerous. Really? And innocent people are dying. So uh, Armenia happens to be the first officially Christian nation in history so we pray for them and of course we pray for their enemy weren't they weren't they evangelized by saint bartholomew could be armenia Armenia. i don't remember we'll check it out later folks we got plenty of things to pray for uh i don't know what the state of the nation is but uh, either way i think we still need to pray for that um so uh leave that to you and uh we'll catch up you next week blessings all laters